other layers of things that could happen to you. I mean, you could just simply run your airplane off the runway and do all kinds of damage, you know, in the wind. Um, and then, you know, that could come to haunt you later. You know, if you're trying to get a job, now you've damaged a plane. Um, yep. You know, you, then then your 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 instructors are all going to get investigated. And, and I mean, it's just, uh, it, you know, it's a big deal. And there's repercussions to all of this stuff, you know. So- Hello, aviators. Welcome back to the Pro Pilot Playbook podcast, where we bring you the tips, tricks, hacks, and shortcuts to get you into the seat of that airliner faster and cheaper. I'm Sean Ritchie. And I'm Mike Martin. And uh, we're back with another episode this week. And uh, this week's a little more, we got a little somber story here. It's a little, uh, little, little sad and but we're going to use it to i you know i i actually just learned about this mike you just introduced this to me i didn't realize this had happened i had seen um this girl's youtube channel before and um there's a plethora of them out there folks going through flight training and recording their experience and everything but i had no idea this had happened till just this morning and um we're uh we decided to do a podcast on it because we really truly believe that and i mean this is a, a great learning experience this is some information that yep you know really to take into account not just for the actual thing that most likely you know high percentage of what we think happened uh, but it, it le- bleeds into other things in your flight training that are really important here to pay attention to. Yeah, we thought our viewers would really find this valuable. So, you know, there's a ton of videos regarding this crash. So the YouTuber's name was TN, like for Tennessee, capital fly girl. And um, 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 she she videotaped all of her flight training. Um, and then she made it through a private and then I believe was working on her instrument rating and bought a beach debonair um and that's a that's a really it's a retractable gear constant propeller high performance airplane it, it, most people that are watching are probably familiar with the bonanza debonair is just like a slightly less powerful version of a bonanza but it's a big 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 airplane still a high performance complex airplane though retractable yeah. landing gear constant speed prop it probably had uh you looked it up mike was it a 200 horsepower motor yeah, or 230 horsepower yeah yeah yeah, and a good-looking plane. I mean, they're nice airplanes, but this is an advanced plane to fly. Um, so what we want to do on this is we're going to kind of focus on our viewers, which are students, and how this can help and affect them. So we're not going to go into the details of exactly what happened that day on this crash. We're going to link uh, a, a great channel, the Blanca Lirio channel. Uh, it's Juan Brown. I think he's a captain at a major airline. He has just fantastic information. His breakdown, there's two videos. The one that we'll link is is pretty much a synopsis of what he speculates happened here. Um, but but I'll I'll uh, I'll kind of you know summarize what what this video says that uh, Juan Brown put together uh, uh, for 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 our talking points here. But basically, you know, um, they've removed. You can go to her channel, and I guess she was a real estate agent. That's the only thing left. They've removed all the flying videos for obvious reasons, you know. Um, but uh, basically, he, Juan pulls the flight aware data, and uh, it was a 
crystal clear day. He's got all the weather. They were going from somewhere in Knoxville, uh, 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 satellite airport of Knoxville, out to, I think, Arkansas or something. And she was telling everyone she was getting a uh, panel upgrade on this uh, this Beechcraft um, and they were dropping it off, I guess, for maintenance. And she flew a lot with her dad. So there was no flight instructor on board. It was just her and her dad. Beautiful day. And uh, uh, the flight aware data for the flight shows these super rapid oscillations. Basically, um, I, when I say super rapid, but basically she just couldn't hold altitude. And then she climbs, descends, climbs, descends. And, uh, mm. uh, you know, the controllers, I guess, uh, uh, noted on her, you know, being off course and also, you know, climbing and descending. So what he does, he kind of shows all that data. And then he went back and reviewed before they removed them. A lot of her flight training videos. Um, and there's and, some, really yeah, he, some... he displays them too. Um, he grabbed yeah. them and it, so you'll get to see an excerpt from one of her videos on, on Juan's video. And I tell you, I mean, it is so well put together, Mike, if, I mean, if some NTSB guy don't get in there and watch his synopsis of what he, cause it isn't just like, Oh, I think this happened. No, this guy's talking about the mechanics of how this autopilot works right down to the components attached yeah. to the control surfaces um i uh, i wasn't familiar with juan until this morning actually as well oh, yeah. i watch um, him all the time <laughs> yeah and i tell you i i went ahead and clicked the follow button subscribe button on him because um man super intelligent person and uh, yeah good job yeah. on that you, you can watch the video it's linked below yeah, definitely watch it because I think we can we can all learn from this. But but um, basically, she was very forthcoming um, with the issues she was having in flight training and issues with her instructor and everything. But you know, one of the things he highlights is that you know she's during her instrument training is is having some trouble, and you can see the videos. I mean, the instructor is like doing everything for her. Um, I mean, you know, r r helping his arms are over there tuning everything and, and, you know, um, just, just in, uh, you know, in, in the opinion of Juan, you know, that, that just doing way too much to help her. And then she has a video explaining that, you know, this is a problem and that she's changed flight instructors and that, you know, she's being helped too much. Um, and then, um, but the most startling thing is, uh, she's got a video on there of her and her dad flying in this debonair that she, I guess, just got. And, uh, she, she just doesn't understand how the autopilot works and, um, she's trying to make it climb. And, uh, this is a, so this is a single access autopilot, I think. So it only does you know, right and left. Um, it doesn't uh, control your rate of climb, I guess, or is it uh, explain more in the video? Trim, trim on demand, I think is, is the term Juan used or something. Basically it has a simple altitude hold function. So once you get to the altitude you want, you got the airplane trimmed out, you can hit the altitude button and it using pneumatics, it kind of it puts an air bubble in there and it can tell if there's force on the elevator and it kind of holds it steady. But once that little air bubble reaches so much pressure, it, there's a light that's, that pops up on the panel that says trim up or trim down and you manually trim the airplane up or down to help the autopilot. Right. And um, in her defense, when she bought the airplane, that was broken. 
when she bought the airplane. It was not functioning whatsoever. And she had it repaired. And, um, you know, and you see her struggling in that video that Juan displays. And, uh, yeah, she's climbing the plane and not adding any power, you know, and she's also using it inappropriately holding the button down, but it's just a press once press twice type of thing to, and then see what happens, you know, but she's holding it down and, you know, so that's going to cause, she's never going to, that's right. Yeah. She was not trained properly. That's the bottom line on, on this autopilot, you know, um, and she's in this complex plane. And uh, at one point in this video, it looks like she's always st- going to stall the airplane. So she's got the autopilot on. And she's flying with her dad, It's who's not a pilot. And it's not doing what she wants. And she's like, watch my airspeed. Why is it slowing down? And then then she does the right thing, disconnects it and lowers the nose. But, I mean, it's like, holy cow. I mean, it's kind of scary, really, to watch right. this. So, um the the reason we bring it up to you guys is you know y- y- this is important to know i mean if if you and your flight instructor aren't getting along or you don't think you're getting the the training that you need you need to make changes um and 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 really it's about personal limitations too wouldn't you say sean mm-hmm. absolutely um, that is a huge thing i'm i am always saying this to the younger pilots i fly with i'm like look you got to know where your limits are you can't just willy-nilly be the airplane has limits and you have limits. If you're getting yourself into a situation where you're uncomfortable, you realize you're exceeding your personal limitations. You know, it's time to take a step back and, and reevaluate the situation. It's okay to say, wait a minute, you know, is this a good idea? But yeah, we wanted to make this video. This, this autopilot system she's using real quick. One last thing on that. You know, yeah. this isn't this is an old antiquated thing. This is this autopilot system. This is an older type style of unit, um, and we're we wanted to make this video because this entire situation bleeds into uh, everything else. A lot of you guys are going to be experiencing in your training now with these fancy uh, moving map screens, and you guys are are training and equipment that Mike and I could have never even dreamed would have existed when we were learning how to fly. And um, it is just as complex to learn some of these avionics systems in these little Cessnas coming out of the factory now as it is to fly the actual airplane. And you can get yourself into trouble all wrapped around the axle trying to figure out how to make it go direct somewhere in your G1000 or fly an approach on the G1000 and it's real easy to forget the most important thing which is fly the airplane that is (laughs) so that's why we wanted to make this video yeah yeah i mean it's a it's a really sad story um and there's going to be more to come of this i know um if you read the preliminary uh ntsb report it actually says they recovered um video recording devices from the from the crash site so the guest had her cameras going yeah yeah yeah, maybe going so they're going to know exactly what's going wrong but they they did the the additional report shows that there was no damage to the tail or any of that stuff so and it appears that all the flight controls were intact and all that so it looks like it was some sort of trim 
uh, you know, situation with the autopilot, not that the autopilot trimmed it, but she over trimmed the airplane or something. And then, you know, got in a uncontrollable dive and they, I think they said the dive was like over 10,000 feet a minute, you know, and the eyewitnesses said the airplane engine was running and all this stuff, just a horrific, really horrific situation, you know, and there's going to be, uh, this is another thing to take away from this. I mean, with all of this documented online, you know, I know a lot of guys, y- y- girls, everybody out there, they're videotaping, they're training to learn from it and all that yep. stuff. And a lot of people are going electronic, but I mean, having all this on the internet like this, um, you know, maybe, I don't know, you can argue whether that was a good idea or not. You know, I mean, it, it's answering a lot of questions, I think, sure. preliminarily, you know, but, uh, Man, yeah, yeah. Well, it's, the it's, FAA is, you know, there's it's distractions. That's one thing Juan said. I mean, he's what the video excerpt he shows. He's like, look, we got what she's got like three cameras set up here in the cockpit. Um, you know, so she's it that she's asking her father sitting next to her in the right seat, who's not even a pilot, while she's messing around trying to figure out this autopilot using it incorrectly, saying, Hey, could you just watch my airspeed because it's getting slow? Because she's initiating a climb without adding power. That is fundamental student pilot working on their private stuff, and she's a private certificated pilot working on her instrument in this high performance airplane. That's you know, that's some red flags, and that's the same thing Juan was saying. I agree with him that, yeah, she, yeah, she's overstepping into waters she shouldn't be charting. <laughs> yeah. But the other thing, you know, with the personal limitation thing, um, it's kind of odd. This just happened. One of our one of our students in our coaching call class, uh, which we just got off the coaching call right now, yeah. um, Brandon, in our coaching call class, uh, sent us a video of his solo here that just happened yesterday down in Florida. And, and, um, he's, he actually had a GoPro camera running in the cockpit himself. Uh, but it was pointed out. He was, it was more for his personal training type thing to go back and review what he did. It's pointed out the front of the airplane. He's not trying to make YouTube videos or anything. Um, it was not a distraction because he threw it up in the dash and hit record you know, before he did anything else. But um, he was up there doing some touch and goes. He had planned to do eight touch and goes down there in Florida, and the wind started picking up. And um, he got three of them in, and that last one, he realized, man, it's getting kind of windy. And it's not really touch and goes at that point. They're stop and goes. He's a student pilot working on his private. This was a solo pattern uh, flight. And he had told the, con- the controller, told him to taxi back to hold short of blah, blah, blah. And he said, actually, I think I need to go back to the flight school. Um, it, you know, the wind's picking up and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm reaching uh, my, my flight school's rules on whatever. And, and the tower, the ground controller congratulated him on making a good decision. And uh, so I don't, I just wanted to point that out. Actually, there's, yeah, a no, that's great. Maybe we can throw in the excerpt of, of Brandon sent me the video. I don't know. I'm going to scrub through it, see if there's something we can put in here. But he said he had his best his best greaser uh, ever uh, in this video, and or at least one the first one he can prove because it was filmed. <laughs> Highest winds I think I've dealt with by myself. My personal limit is 10 
knots of wind, and right now they are at eight. All right. Uh-huh. Give me a little power. There we go. All right. Line that two-eight up real nice like that. All right. Last notch of flaps. Here we go. Now we just going to crab a little bit. All right. So now we're just going to let him come down real easy, real easy. Yeah, we just going to let him come on down when he wants to. Yeah. It's okay. That's okay. That's okay. Oh, my God. What a, oh, my gosh. What a pro landing that was. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, that's an example of, you know, good you don't judgment. have to, yeah, good judgment. That's what keeps you alive. Filling that bag of experience up and yeah, it, yeah what, what I your mean, personal limitations are. You're right. You, you totally got to know. And you got to think about what is the end game here? You know, if he would have pushed it and went solo in those high winds, um, mm -hmm. um, you know, and obviously this situation that we're talking about in this YouTube video was the absolute ultimate worst thing that could possibly happen. Terrible, tragic, but there's other layers of things that could happen to you. I mean, you could just simply run your airplane off the runway and do all mm -hmm. kinds of damage, you know, in the wind. Um, and then, you know, that could come to haunt you later. You know, if you're trying to get a job now, you've damaged a plane, um, yep. you know, you, then, then you're, you're, your instructors are all going to get investigated. And, and I mean, it's just, uh, it, you know, it's a big deal and there's repercussions to all of this stuff, you know, so you got to be very careful. Yep. I, I just got back from my annual recurrent training and, uh, you know, there's been a couple challenger accidents recently and those all become, you know, huge under the microscope. And, yep. um, um, you know, any of these, uh, examiners that, are uh training students that later end up getting involved in something you know then they have a huge investigation the faa is all coming back on them i'm sure i hate to say it but there's probably going to be some fallout from this this woman's crash here i mean you know who knows those people in those videos are all going to be questioned you know it, it, to figure out you know and a lot of that is to learn um hopefully there's no you know legal heat or anything on any of that but you just, uh, uh, it's just a big deal. I mean, and sometimes, you know, we, we get so used to it as professionals, you know, we just jump in like it's our car and, and go, and we don't think of how serious all this stuff really is. And the same thing can happen. The point of this is at any level of your training, you know, I, I'm still making these decisions and Sean is too. I mean, we, we face weather situations. I mean, a lot of us do big corporate airport is Aspen, Colorado. That's a gig I mean, this time of year, it's ski season, Christmas, there's hundreds and hundreds of jets in and out of that airport. And it is freaking tricky, man. Uh, if the winds aren't just right, uh, you can only land one direction yep. and take altitude. off the same direction. You are on final and offset final often coming into Aspen. You'll be coming in on an offset final while another jet is taking off head to head for you. This is standard ops out there surrounded in a bowl of mountains. I yeah. mean, it is a, that is. It's, it's dangerous, man. Yeah. And they have uh, all these performance issues associated with altitude in the summer, you know, getting out of there, the winds pick up, you got a tailwind now because you can't take off towards the mountain. 
And then, you know, it can get up to, you know, 80 degrees Fahrenheit or something. And now you're at, you know, six, 7,000 feet. The air is super yep. thin. The plane's not performing right now. You got a tailwind. Uh, then you got all this pressure on the business side of things. You know, the plane needs to be back or the owner's there and he's got all this money and he wants to right. go. And, you know, the airport itself is super convenient to the town of Aspen. I'm talking five minutes away. So all yeah. the customers want to go there because their house is there or their hotel. The alternate is Montrose. Uh, yeah uh rifle rifle yeah. yeah rifle colorado which is over an hour away so it's a you know it's a huge inconvenience so yeah, there's all kinds it, of operational stuff going on there too like it, oftentimes yeah. you're getting de-iced or you're having to take off with minimum fuel and land over in denver to fuel up the rest of the gas for your trip because you know the weight issues have taken off at that altitude um it, I, and you said dangerous I don't, I put Aspen in the same term as skydiving. Skydivers don't like to use the word dangerous. Skydiving is not dangerous. <laughs> it's high risk. Right. It can be right. dangerous, but we, it's just high risk. High risk. Yeah. <laughs> uh, relatively speaking to, you know, flying into Kansas city. So sure. <laughs> uh, so, uh, you know, one of the evaluations I do when I'm going into Aspen is, you know, my, my limitation, like I, I, my limitations personally to go in there are different than every, there's all different factors with different operators, different airports, or different experience levels, different airplanes. You know, for instance, I, I got a good friend that his owner has a house in Aspen and they go there regularly. So he can shoot those approaches with the back of his hand. He knows it's just how the wind behaves and, uh, you know, all, 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 everything associated with it, you know, versus, you know, a guy like me, you know, maybe I'm going there once a year, maybe, you know? Um, so, so, um, I'm going to have a, a, a much higher level of conservatism and, you know, it's who you're flying with. How many times have they been there? What have they seen? You know, what, what are, or all that? Um, so, you know, you have to take a step back at just because, you know, uh, and, and, and this is another thing the owners will see, you might be there and somebody's taxiing and taking off. And then you're telling your owner, you can't go, you know, oh I'm, yeah, I'm, this is happening. Yeah. It, it happens all the time, you know, and, and then you have to be able to explain to these people, well, listen, I don't know where he's going. I don't know how much fuel he has. I don't know the capabilities of that airplane, but I do know how many times I've done it and how much we have. And I, you know, uh, um, uh, in what, you know, I had a guy tell to me, you know, we're, we're, we're really, we're really paid to say yes. You know, we're trying to get the job done for, for these companies and these owners and these passengers. Uh, but sometimes you're paid to say no, you know, and, um, um, you got to really evaluate starting with our viewers in their initial flight train. Once they start flying by themselves, they, you really got to evaluate, Hey, am I capable of this? What is this really worth? Should I wait tomorrow? Maybe the weather's, you know, going to be better tomorrow or, or, Hey, do I need some additional training? Hey, if I'm going on this long flight, should I bring a pilot that, you know, has some experience with me instead? I mean, these are constant decisions that, that everybody has to make, you know? Yeah. Well, I really wanted to push on that avionics thing because, um, you know, these guys that are, you know, these Cessnas coming out with these G1000s and stuff, it's just such a different ball game from when you and I were training, yeah. Mike. It was a six-pack of round gauges, mechanical gauges, and now these guys are flying glass cockpit Cessnas to get their primary training done, and it is just such a different world. Uh, and, oh, you know, back to um, the Tennessee fly girl, you know, she – 
she had three or 400 hours and, and she was really adamant on this autopilot thing working, you know, and I get it. She has a new toy, this new baby, her airplane. And, you know, you want to play with all the bells and whistles, but you know, you got to know when to just hit that button and turn the stuff off and fly the airplane. And, uh, it's obvious that was her main thing was getting this autopilot working at three or 400 hours. You should not be, you shouldn't even know what an autopilot is. You need to be, you know, stick and rudder, stick and rudder. That's the only thing you should be doing. But I've seen this before over and over and in myself too, you know, uh, four out of the five jets that I regularly fly that I'm type rated in are that Collins ProLine system, the FMS system, the flight management system we use, which you know, is everything. It's the entire flight plan you put in there and it's connected to the autopilot and the screens we're staring at. And then I went and got typed in that sovereign and flying an airplane. It's like getting on a bicycle for me at this point. It, it's an airplane, whatever, you know, maybe the engines are made by a different manufacturer or the braking system has hydraulics connected to something else or a different pump, whatever that kind of stuff. It, but it's an airplane, but that box in that sovereign is is the Honeywell system. And I was not familiar with the Honeywell. I've flown the Universal and the Collins. You could probably blindfold me and I could <laughs> program it because that's what I do. You know, That's what I fly Collins too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that Honeywell, it's just backwards from everything. And it's antiquated. It's 1995 technology. So that's a huge struggle You know, it, it, for somebody to learn. Um, you know, you're in the simulator and everything's happening. Boom, 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 boom. There's an emergency. You're changing approaches, changing runways, changing this and that. And you got to be able to bounce around in that box real fast. One of you does. Um, you know, and learning this technology is just as complicated in many cases as learning to fly the airplane. Yeah. Um, yeah. Initially in your training. You know, a lot of this can make you dependent and uh, overconfident. And uh, we had an accident, a fatal accident, um, at my flight school 25 years ago. Um, and I, it's been so long, I don't have the excruciating details, but basically um, a guy bought a new airplane. Um, the, the flight school I trained at was a, a new Cessna dealer. So he brought a brand new 172. It was equipped with an autopilot. He got his private license in it. And then, you know, he was working on his instrument, but didn't have it. So he had some confidence there. And then he was flying really far away on a trip with his private pilot's license and the weather degraded, uh, to IFR, but he stayed in the clouds, um, and, uh, you know, let the autopilot hold it. And then I guess he got into some icing conditions and loaded up the airplane with ice and then crashed and died. So, um, you know, sometimes those, those that technology serves as a crutch. Um, and it, 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 it can get you into situations that you really shouldn't be in, you know? right? Especially that ice, you know, that's, you know, that's a long time. That's, you know, some of that basic one one flying skill stuff, you know, autopilots will mask the fact that you're loading up with ice on the airplane, but had he been hand flying, you know, years and hundreds of hours in a logbook and, known what it felt like and seen what it looked like when ice is picking, you know, uh, getting picked up on the airframe. And even if the autopilot was on, maybe he would have recognized it a little bit more. Yeah. I mean, that, that's tragic. That, 
that's horrible yeah and i i I remember my advice of my uh first instrument instructor when he signed me off for my instrument rating and i passed my check and and you know it was really good advice i still remember it but he was like you know right now just because you can do something doesn't mean you should right? right he said you know you've got your instrument rating you could fly in all weather conditions but it's probably not the best idea you know to to go fly around in low ifr conditions by yourself um until you get some more you know time under your belt you know sure. and it's same thing when you get your private you know um okay now you can fly all over the freaking country if you want uh vfr um, maybe that's not the best idea, you know, um, yeah, um, because we're, we're learning every day and getting better every day. And, uh, just cause you have the ticket doesn't mean that you're necessarily, you know, ready for everything, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, back to another example of the technology thing, getting people into trouble. When I went and renewed my, uh, I let my, I've mentioned before on the show that I'd let my CFI hundred percent expire. I went and renewed my CFI by renewing my double I and I was in a, a Cessna 172 that had that G 1000, you know, and I mean, I had in thousands of hours, you know, flying, you know, screens and glass cockpits and FMSs and jets and whatever. And I get in this Cessna 170, but I've never touched a G 1000. I've seen a picture of it in a magazine, but I'd never touched one. And, you know, it was a good, the first lesson was just wasted on me. It, I mean, I probably could have thwarted some Getting of this and it. watched a YouTube video on the thing before I sat in the cockpit. But, you know, I wasted damn near a whole lesson learning this G1000, um, you know, all the intricacies of where the menu is and how to do this and load an approach and start an approach or just whatever. And, you know, there's no autopilot in that, you know, so you're hand flying trying to figure this thing out. But it happens in jets, too. Uh, Mike, you and I, the company we both worked for, you know, I had come from flying that RJ, right? Which had a Collins, again, a Collins box in it and full autopilot. It does everything. And then, uh, you and I, after I left there, you and I are flying for, uh, that company. We're in that, that old Lear 35, which had that oh, old yes, antiquated autopilot. And this thing functioned a lot like Tennessee fly girls autopilot did this. I mean, yeah. this is a high-performance corporate jet. The Lears are still rocket ships compared to a lot of these corporate jets out there. I mean, there's there's probably no machine that'll kill you faster if you get in it not knowing what the hell you're doing than a Lear. And yeah. this thing, this autopilot, same thing. You had to you had to hand level it off. You know, with the trim. You know, you're hitting that little trim wheel and you level this thing off the best you can at the altitude and then you hit the altitude button. There was no altitude pre-selected. It would just level off for you. Whenever you press the button. Yeah. 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 No, it was, this was, uh, this took some skill. You know what else I remember about that is uh, the autopilot wouldn't work well in nav mode. It would scallop your course real high. So if you intercepted a course and you wanted to just hold your course, (laughs) it would scallop. So we yeah, kept back it in and, heading you know, mode. The passengers are like, what's going on up here? You yeah. Know? 
Yeah, we kept it in heading mode, and then you just had to keep adjusting the sure. heading mode to stay on course. I forgot about that portion of it. Yeah, not only did it, yeah, you just flew the heading bug to keep on course. Yeah, oh, I wow. think it was a called a. I think a Collins FC two hundred autopilot was what was in there. But I think uh, Bill Lear was one of the first developers of the actual autopilot systems, you know. And this was a 1985, I think, uh, Lear 35. Um, a lot of people think Sean and I uh, uh, fly together, and we don't. We're not. We don't work for the same companies. Uh, but you know, 20 years ago, we did work at the same company. Yeah. We didn't fly together because we were both first officers, but we both trained on that plane and. Man, it was something, you know. Uh, uh, it was a lot of fun, uh, you know. Like I tell the viewers, it, it all of that stuff's really fun. But it was, yeah, it was challenging, you know. Yeah, I can remember coming out of Bozeman uh, one time in that thing, that Lear thirty-five, and uh, the 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 trim indicator. So anybody that's flying a you know a Cirrus now or whatever these glass cockpits, you just have an arrow and it shows how many units of trim is in. Um, these old jets, they had round gauges with a little needle. I'm not sure if I ever told you this story. And uh, 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 <laughs> I guess when these gauges would break, the needle would just center. <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, I don't know if we were doing a trim check Makes or whatever. Sense. but oh, We had like full left rudder trim in, but the needle broke and it was just in the center. So uh, I was flying. We took out a, off out of Bozeman. And it wasn't real bad at first, but then when I speed it up to like 200 plus knots and the plane's flying sideways. And then I, I thought I maybe had lost an engine because the plane yaws really bad, you know, and all this and like, what the hell's going on? And then, you know, you figured out when you slowed the jet down that it wasn't as pronounced. And then we, you know, after some uh, pucker factor determined, oh, the gauge was broke on there, but man, but yeah, that was, uh, that was a handful. <laughs> yeah. The good old days. <laughs> the good old days, man. But but hopefully, you know, our 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 watchers in training get some some interesting advice out of this. And uh, yeah, I I think you should definitely watch that video because um, we can all learn from that. And again, it's a sad sad story. Two people are dead. Great people, it sounds like. And and uh, fortunately, they didn't hit anything on the ground. My God, you know, it could have been, I guess, a little bit worse. But man, that's a I, yeah, I saw that and I immediately sent it to Sean. I'm like, man, watch this video. This is, uh, this is concerning, you know? Yeah. And I, it's just nuts because I, I'd, I'd see her stuff on YouTube every now and then, you know, pop up in the feed. And I think I'd peruse through a couple of her videos and I had no idea this had happened. It's, it's, it's just crazy to me that. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. But we got a lot of things going on for the new year, like we keep saying on the ProPilot paper. We've got some really great interviews. Uh, we're in talks with several different people that I think are going to bring a lot of value um, to the viewers. Um, and they're, they're, it's just getting everyone's schedule lined up because most of the people we interview are pilots. Sean and I are pilots with different companies, so we got to get everybody together. The Zoom certainly does uh, help a lot. I, I think when Sean and I first started doing this pre-COVID and everything, we would physically get together. Uh, 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 but now that we're all set up here, we can at least get, get people together remotely. Um, so yeah, we got some good, we're going to do some follow-up interviews with some guests that we've already interviewed. We've got some really interesting guests coming up. So, uh, stay subscribed. We always appreciate the comments are great. That's uh, really what keeps us motivated. You guys are always great in telling us, you know, that, that we're doing a good job, positive reinforcement. We love that. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, 
uh, and then uh, the negative stuff's fine too, of course, because we all want to be better. But uh, like and subscribe and comment, and uh, we'll try to keep this content coming for you guys. Right, right, yes. And in the words of Jim Rohn, uh, I finally remembered that that uh, quote I was trying to remember from last oh, yeah. week. The easy thing. It, what he actually said was, and this is such a great thing. He's uh, when he had some of his first employees, they were asking him like, so Mr. Roan, you're, you're a millionaire, right? And uh, he's like, yeah, yeah. He's like, well, was that hard to become a millionaire? He's like, no, it was easy. He's like, well, Mr. Roan, if it's easy, how come everyone isn't a millionaire then? He's like, because that's easy too. <laughs> 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 that's right that's great <laughs> yeah it's just as easy to not drive to the airport and take that first lesson as it is to go ahead and do it they're both that's easy right. they're both easy it's your decision which one you want yep get out there and start flying it's a good time to jump in yep we'll see you folks next week thanks for tuning in thank you